Welcome to From the Front Porch, a conversational podcast about books, small business, and life in the South. It might not be right, but just you keep in mind that it can be hard for folks to do the right thing when they've got something to lose. Adele Myers, The Tobacco Wives. I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. And this week, we're talking new March titles in our new release rundown. I'm joined by The Bookshelf's floor manager, Olivia Schaefer, and from the Front Porch contributor, Lucy Stoltzfus, to talk through the books we're most excited about this month. And as a bonus for podcast listeners, we did this last month, and I think it worked pretty well. If you purchase or pre-order any of the books we talk about today, you can enter new release, please, at checkout for 10% off your order. You just need to go to bookshelfthomasville.com and click or tap podcast, then shop from the front porch to see today's titles. Again, that code is new release, please, and you can find all of that information in today's show notes. Hi, friends. Hey. Hello. Welcome back, Lucy. It's been a minute. I know. I miss you guys. I'm still in Pennsylvania. Still in Pennsylvania. And what's happening next month? Well, we are recording this March preview before March. Oh, that's right. That's right. And <laughs> that's good for me because come March 10th or thereabouts, I will have a new baby. Yay! Yay. <laughs> and oh. she will be a girl, and she will be wearing a lot of flower patterns. <laughs> Have you had so much fun buying things? Um, yes. In the past couple of weeks, I've been nesting pretty hard, and that includes buying stuff. And I keep telling myself, like, she has clothes. She, <laughs> you know, you don't need all that much new stuff but it's like well she's gonna just wear a navy blue long sleeve onesie hand me down from her brother like that doesn't make any sense <laughs> when target has so much cute stuff they really so, do yeah i've been buying some stuff but um <laughs> i think so she's gonna be the first girl in <clears throat> zach's family for oh, a wow. while and so i think she'll be I think she'll get some gifts as well. So mm-hmm. I've, I've managed to um, tone down my purchasing as much as I possibly can. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us how Gabriel is going to be a good big brother. <laughs> I don't know. I'm currently dealing with the guilt of that, of ruining his life. You know, it's not real. It's not real. I know his life will be better for having a sister, but right now I'm like, oh, I'm ruining yeah. your life because you just have such a happy time being with mom. But um, yeah. yeah, I went the book route of like buying a bunch okay. of books about like becoming a big brother. And he uh-huh. has less than no interest in reading them. So I'll pull it um, out and he'll be like, no, 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 no. <laughs> no it on the ground. And he's such a reader. Like he has a, he has his hands on a book constantly. He's so he is just over two years old. So I feel like he's at this place where he pretty much can understand what's about to happen. And he knows that he's not interested. So (laughs) um, the one thing, and I will give this uh, tip to any about to be second time mother, Um, The one thing that has worked is I made him a personalized book all about when he was born. So it was, it's like, first it was mommy and daddy. And then, you know, we got pregnant with you and we were waiting for you. And then here you were. And, you know, like I have pictures of him cuddling and with me and I have pictures of us like changing his diaper. And he's been really interested in that because it's about him. But I think it's okay. like getting him into the mindset of another having another baby around, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but he his current obsession is Charlie Brown. Oh, he, Charlie. He's obsessed, which is why we now have the names Violet and Frida on our list of potential <laughs> baby names, because those are Charlie Brown characters. Oh, very fun. 
Marcy is not so, and Peppermint Patty is not <laughs> so much on the list. But Patty Stoltzfus doesn't have a nice ring to it. <laughs> well, he says Pepper Patty, which is really cute, but uh, I don't think it would last. You know, yeah, Pepper yeah. Patty Stoltzfus into adulthood. It doesn't <laughs> <sound> <laughs> <right>. <laughs> My mom was a preschool teacher for. 26 years or something. And it is like family lore. She had a little girl in her class named Pepper and Pepper pooped her diaper once. And my mom accidentally called her pooper. And like, we've never <laughs> forgotten it <laughs> as a family. Like my mom, I think said, I think the family joke is pooper, let's go change your pepper diaper. Like, like it was like a, just a mashup of <laughs> poop and pepper. <laughs> Uh, on that note, shall we? Are we ready? Let's discuss Let's do it. it. So Lucy is back for this new release rundown episode, which Olivia and I continue to call new release roundup. I think we're just confused as to what these episodes are called, but I think it's rundown. But throughout this year, we're going to have a rotating kind of cast of hosts and uh, co-hosts who will come on and talk to us about new releases, but we want to have Lucy back before she goes and has her baby. So we do this round robin style. It's going to be me, but then Lucy and then Olivia, because Olivia has seven books today, so she'll go last. So I'll go first. Um, My first book that I want to talk about is The Love of My Life. This is a book by Rosie Walsh. It's out this week, March 1st. I believe it released in Great Britain first, and now it is coming to the U.S., is my understanding. You might be familiar with Rosie Walsh because she was the author. She's not the author of the book's Ghosts. She's the author of the book Ghosted, (laughs) um, which was a New York Times bestseller when it came out a few years ago. And so this is her newest book. It's about Emma and Leo. Emma is a marine biologist. She's been happily married to Leo for several years. Leo is an obituary writer. And something happens to Emma. Like she becomes sick. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's cancer or if she's in a car accident, but she is at the brink of death, is my understanding. And to kind of cope while they wish and hope for Emma's recovery, Leo decides to do what, of course an obituary writer would do, which is he begins to kind of write about his wife's life. And he begins to do research on who she was as a person and who she was as a child. And this is when he realizes that Emma is not his wife's name and he doesn't actually know who she is at all. And so apparently, Olivia, I wish you could see Olivia's face. (laughs) (laughs) I I did tune out until that point. (laughs) You have me now. (laughs) Because I do think in the mashup of our literary preferences, I do think this could be a potential Annie and Olivia kind of Venn diagram because it's this family drama and this kind of story of this husband and wife, but there are these deep-seated family secrets. And apparently all the blurbs and all the reviews say this is quite the page turner. So you're kind of uncovering Emma's secrets and why she lied to her husband. And anyway... It does not sound quite like a domestic thriller. Like, I don't think this is like girl on the train, husband, wife, murder story or something. (laughs) Um, I do think it is more family drama, but with the secrets that come to light and the page turner element makes me think it could be an Olivia read as well. So it is called The Love of My Life by Rosie Walsh. I do have the ARC and I will be reading it. And if it's good, Olivia, I'll pass it on to you. And if not, we'll just pretend it doesn't exist. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Lucy, what do you have? Okay, my first book is The Last Suspicious Holdout by Ladee Hubbard. I feel like I sent this to you at some point, Annie. It is by the author of um, The Rib King. Did Did Olivia end up reading that? I didn't. I wanted to, but I didn't have the time. I Um, started it, it, and I liked it, but didn't finish it. My memory of it is that I also started it and really loved the writing and then realized it was going to be extremely violent. Mm. And I I couldn't do it at that time and probably still couldn't. I'm not a violence person. Um, although <laughs> I say that, but a lot of the books I choose I don't know. It, this it is has, less violent and more into incest. I feel like yeah, if I, I had to just... Incest is the thing. 
It's more of a requirement. Um, <laughs> Pick your evils. I don't know. I don't. I didn't finish it. I think it kind of had a horror vibe, which maybe is my issue. You know, the writing to me did remind me of like, oh, the author of Deacon King Kong. But mm-hmm. there was like an underlying darker element and I just didn't, I didn't yeah. finish it. So I don't know what direction it took, but it did remind me of James McBride a lot. I remember really loving the writing. So mm-hmm. this new one, The Last Suspicious Holdout is a series of short stories. Um, they're fiction and they take place between 19, I think 92 and 2007, but in the same neighborhood. And there's characters that appear in like, a main character from one story will appear as a side character in another story. So just the description had me thinking of 145th street. Yeah. Um, but I don't think this is, it, it also is about race. Um, but I don't think it's in the city. I think it's more okay. like a suburban setting. And so, yeah, it looks super interesting to me. I read one of the stories and really enjoyed it, loved the writing. And I would be really interested to read the rest and kind of see it as a, I don't know how it compares as a modern kind of mm-hmm. evocation of 145th Street, which we read for the oh. Young Adult Book Club. Still one of my favorite ones we read last year. That sounds so good. That, that comes out on um, March 8th. Do you know what the title is pertaining to? Just Suspicious Holdout. I, it's, <laughs> it's the title of one of the stories. Oh, okay. So, gotcha. But I gotcha. haven't read that one. Okay. Mm. Let me know when you read that one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> My first book is out March 1st. It's called Girl in Ice and it's by Erica Forensic. I had to look up that last name because that it, it does it looks it sounds like forensic, but it oh, doesn't right. look like forensic. <laughs> 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 looks like Farron Kick. I don't know. Whatever. It doesn't matter. That's besides the point. This book was so good. <laughs> um, this was about a girl who a woman, excuse me. A woman who gets kind of like called to the Arctic. Uh, her she's a linguist, and they had the small team just found a like an eight year old girl frozen in the ice on this like small island off of Greenland. And when they thaw her out <laughs> down, uh, she becomes alive. She's alive still. And, but then they realize that they can't speak with her because she's like thousands of years old um, and has just been frozen this whole time. And she speaks a dead language. So, which is why they call in the linguist. But while she's there, this is like the, this remote like Arctic station is where her twin brother suspiciously passed away within like a year of this all happening. So now she's going there to kind of help translate and be able to speak with this young child, but also kind of to figure out what happened to her brother. But she's also a woman who lives with a lot of anxiety. So like you see that happening too. It was so good. It was one of those where I picked it up and then I don't think I put it down until I was finished because you just have to know what happens. It was really good. It sounds really good. And it definitely sounds like an Olivia book, although you did loan this to me and I will be, I think I'm going to try it. It's a quick read. I'm pretty sure the chapters are short. Love it. Love a short chapter. (laughs) Okay. My next one is The Tobacco Wives. This is by Adele Myers. This released on March 1st. Uh, This is a debut novel, historical fiction. Lucy, you may have some interest in this one as well, but my mom read it and loved it. And it has gotten rave reviews. It is set in 1940s, 1950s, like post-World War II North Carolina in kind of this town where tobacco is a huge industry. So big tobacco has like a hold on this community. But because of that, the community is really prospering. And then this woman notices that the wives of a lot of these tobacco executives are having mysterious health issues. And so it's kind of based on maybe some true stories of that time period when people started realizing that cigarettes and that tobacco had harmful side effects. And how do you convince a community and a town and an entire industry that their product is detrimental? And that's going to totally change the lives and the landscape of your community. And so it's about these women kind of 
I guess, activists, these young women activists who took on big tobacco in the 40s and the 50s. And I gave it to my mom to read because my family, my dad's ancestors, I guess, had a tobacco farm in Kentucky. And I remember as a kid learning that they had a tobacco farm. And because I was little Annie Sue Butterworth, it really made me angry. (laughs) And I was just so confused and bothered and it bothered my conscience. I didn't, (laughs) didn't understand how our family could be a part of this anyway. And so it's very interesting. My mom said the book was excellent. It's it was blurbed, I think, by Fiona Davis. So if you're a historical fiction fan, I think you'll I think you'll want to pick this one up. But I also like that it's historical fiction about something that I haven't read about yet. So I feel like a lot of historical fiction is very familiar or it feels like maybe I've read something similar to it before or something like that. And I like that this sounds like it's dealing with an issue and a community and a time period that I have not read about yet. And so my mom loved it. It's a debut novel. It's already gotten really good reviews. It is called The Tobacco Wives by Adele Myers out on March 1st. Um, <clears throat> up here in Lancaster County, you just see the tobacco barns and like, mm-hmm. you know, you can watch the people harvesting it and putting it up to dry. It's like so beautiful. Yeah. It is. But it also it is. is this morally questionable. Yes. Yes, we went to visit the farms as a kid, and I remember seeing it, and it has this very powerful smell anyway, but I remember thinking, how do I think this is pretty, but also this is terrible? You know, like, you know, you're a kid, and you're trying to grapple with those things. Um, Okay, my next book is Booth by Karen Joy Fowler. I just loved it. Um, (laughs) I just loved it. I actually... To be honest with you, when I was reading it, I was like, when was the last time I felt like this reading something? And I don't know if it's just because I have a little bit more time nowadays to really invest in reading or the pressure's off right now, but I just felt like it was a really exciting moment to feel so into a book again. Um, So this is the uh, historical fiction about John Wilkes Booth's family. He's in it, but it does not revolve around the assassination. The assassination Mm -hmm. is in it (laughs) at Mm -hmm. the end, um, but it's really not about that. It's about his family and you have like different sections that are narrated by different siblings of his or from their perspective, not necessarily narrated by, but from their perspective. Um, and his family life growing up was really hard, especially before he was born. And he had a number of siblings die young and his mom was not, um, in good mental health because of that. And his dad was really not in good mental health and also wasn't around and was an alcoholic. He was, um, a famous Shakespearean actor. And then the whole family kind of followed in his footsteps, all the men, um, to be Shakespearean actors and, It's just so fascinating. I learned so much about that period of history, about the politics. It's kind of the Booth family chapters are interspersed with little vignettes about Abraham Lincoln and his life. Mm. Um, And just moving, beautifully written. It's about something I think is kind of timely, which is like how somebody becomes an extremist and how their family reacts to that. And I just can't say enough good things about this book. It comes out also on March 8th. I want to ask, so I have a copy of this and I started it and I love it. The length has deterred me slightly because of all the other reading I have to be doing. But did you think, I know you said you have maybe a little bit more time or bandwidth, but like is this one that you can read in snippets or like, can you get enmeshed in it once you pick it up? Like I got enmeshed in it. I I don't know. I don't know. This would be interesting um, to ask you guys, because I know that Annie, you only read physical ARCs, right? Mm -hmm. And Olivia, you do a lot of um, ARCs like on your e-reader. And because I'm not at the store, I'm only doing them on my e-reader now. <laughs> so it's like mm-hmm. the length never occurs to me when I pick up yeah. a book. Oh, right. So I'm just reading. I just keep reading it. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> like I'm not, I don't start it like, Ooh, here's a big one. 
Okay. I just start it like yeah. here's a book. So yeah. I didn't I didn't even know it was long. Okay. <laughs> well, long? that's a, that's fascinating. It is. It is long. <laughs> it is long. But but it looks like I mean, but it makes sense that it's long. It's like it looks shorter, a little shorter to me than something like the Goldfinch, but it is to me thick book. Whoa, okay, that's so that's news <laughs> to me. I it read fast, and I'll tell you okay. why. It's because I I was telling you that you get the different perspectives. So like uh-huh. you're you're listening to the oldest sister in the family for a certain number of chapters, and then you change perspectives to like the next younger son, or, or, or so. Yeah. It really, I mean, it keeps you interested and hooked. I, I never felt like I was reading a long book. Okay, good. That's helpful. And I guess one point for the e-reader, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I actually think I read faster on my e-reader because at the bottom, it'll tell you your reading speed and it'll give you like two hours and this so-and-so minutes till the end uh-huh. of the book. And I'm always just like, mm, I can do better than that. And then I start going faster. <laughs> Engage well, that competitive nature. And also, you're also like, I can maybe make it to the end of this next chapter or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. oh, it's only two minutes to the next chapter. I'll just, yeah. you know, it, it propels you to read. I mean, I I think objectively, I prefer having a physical book in my hands, but yes. there are obviously positive things about yeah. the e-reader. That's one I hadn't thought about before. <laughs> yeah. Okay, my next book is a new YA fantasy novel. It's Gallant by V.E. Schwab um, out on March 1st. I think a couple customers have already pre-ordered this, which good job, everyone, because it is excellent. (laughs) Um, This is, I actually haven't read V.E. Schwab before. This is my first time reading her. And now I'm kind of like, I should go back and read more of her work. But this is about a house that uh, basically protects the world from the shadow world. Um, so it's kind of like the shadow world is like a reflection of ours. I, in my head, I thought of that episode of Seinfeld where it's bizarro world and Elaine befriends like all a whole group of people that mimic like Jerry, George and, and uh, Kramer, but less funny, more dark, <laughs> like way more dark and not funny at all. Uh, <laughs> But it was really good. And uh, what was weird, though, was the main character was named Olivia. (laughs) And I have never read a book with the main character named Olivia besides, like, Olivia the Pig picture books, (laughs) which didn't even phase me. And so this one was – I don't know if you guys have read books where the main character is your name. It's a little bit weird at first. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, it is. It takes a minute to get used to. But this one was so – it was so good. Um. And she did leave it off where, like, if she wanted to make a sequel, I think she could, but she doesn't have to. Um, mm-hmm. If she did, I would read it. It was really okay. well done. I will just say I played Lucy in my third grade school's production of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Oh. <laughs> Actually, that's a perfect character. Like, oh, this. I know! <laughs> this. Good job. Okay, my next one I'm very excited about, but I have not received an ARC or anything. So I'm anxiously awaiting it just like everybody else. So this is The Unsinkable Greta James by Jennifer E. Smith. It was out on March 1st. Jennifer E. Smith is like a prolific young adult author. I know her from the book Windfall, which I read and loved, but she has written like, I don't know, something like 20, I don't know, 18 or 20 young adult books. But this, my understanding is this is her first adult novel. And Greta, the title character, is a musician. She's kind of this um, famous artist who sings, and her dad always really asked that she not sing, that she go into something more practical, like a career that was more practical and that could be more sustainable, I guess. And My understanding of this book is that her mother dies and Greta is like performing on stage and she all of a sudden, like in the wake of her mother's death, like gets stage fright or just kind of freezes and is one of those moments that kind of goes viral and she basically like has this little breakdown on stage. And of course, her father in the midst of his own grief is kind of telling her, I told you so, like you should have gone into a career where you, there's a better backup plan, that kind of thing. And then her dad invites her to go with him while she's like 
trying to hide from the spotlight. Her dad asks her to go with him on what would have been her parents' 40th anniversary cruise. And so the dad and the daughter go on this cruise together. It almost sounds like Daisy Jones and the Six kind of world, like this music world meets This Is Your Life, Harriet Chance, or Olivia, that book you and I weirdly read and loved during the pandemic, Big Finish, where you're dealing with um, this older father figure, and in this case, father, and then his daughter who, and they're both grappling with their own grief and loss. And then, um, I don't know, I think it's just so interesting, especially right now during these pandemical (laughs) times, to be reading a book also that's set um, on a cruise where you can't leave. (laughs) Like, And so they're really having to face their demons together. And then there's also, I believe, maybe a sort of love interest for Greta, a young historian who's doing some research for the Call of the Wild. The cruise is this Alaskan cruise. So there's just all these elements that I think sound really lovely and interesting. And I am really excited to read it. I'll be reading it when it comes out. It's The Unsinkable Greta James by Jennifer E. Smith. A romance between a musician and a historian, you say? <laughs> Did your ears perk up? <laughs> What's that? um it's a good combo um okay so my next book is conversations by steve reich um steve reich is one of the foremost if not the foremost contemporary composer in america um and he said that he was influenced by reading this book um by robert Kraft, who was best known for his close relationship with Igor Stravinsky, who was a 20th century Russian composer who also then moved to America. And so was, I suppose, an American composer as well. (laughs) Um, And they, he has a book called Conversations with Igor Stravinsky, um, where it's just basically interviews, conversations they had together. And so Steve Reich um, thought he would like to do something like that, but he doesn't have this like protege. Um, so he said, Oh, I'll just, you know, do interviews, um, with various artists, musicians, um, cultural figures that I have become close with, but they're about him. So it's, there's a lot of them. I don't know how many, like, I don't know, maybe like 18 or 20 chapters of, um, interviews that he's done. And each person that he interviews, has some kind of a connection to a piece of music that he composed. Um, and so they've done it together or they performed it together or they had some connection. So they're talking and they're talking about that piece, but they're also kind of, um, they're arranged chronologically. So they kind of tell the story of his life as well. I find it very interesting. We have a customer that I know that you guys can <laughs> hand sell it to. I just Anybody- wrote it down to special order it for her. <laughs> yes. Um, anybody who's interested in contemporary music, I, I mean, it's, it reads like a, a conversation. I'm sure it's just transcribed from a audio recording, mm-hmm. but super interesting if you care at all about contemporary classical music. So that one comes out again on March 8th, Conversations by Steve Ray. Awesome. My next book is a young adult graphic novel. Which, Lucy, I may need your musical help with this. It is by Alicia Keys, and it's called Girl on Fire. I was going to ask Studio D to give me, you know, some music in the background. Then I was like, well, we'd probably have to pay for, like, copyright music. <laughs> is it is it good? Is it is the book good? Yeah. Oh, it's excellent. Is it – would you say it's on fire? Oh, it's on fire. So you could say, this book is on fire. There yes. we go. Thank you. Nobody wanted to hear me sing that. So. <laughs> we, we love Studio D, but we don't need their music. We have Lucy. <laughs> that was all that played in my head as I read this graphic novel. Yeah. Um, but this is about a girl who lives with her brother and her father and her grandmother. And her brother gets like almost arrested by the cops for something he didn't do. And she, in a moment of... I'm going to stand up for my brother and stop what's happening. Discovered she has powers. Very uh, like Marvel adjacent power sort of thing happening. Um, But then she proceeds to like 
help her family get out of trouble with this local gang leader who is now asking for like money for quote unquote protection. Um, <laughs> but it was, it was so good. It was so much fun. I am still it's in that like Marvel mindset. So I think that made it even more enjoyable while reading it. Uh, but it was great. And I actually think a lot of people would really enjoy it. Is it a YA graphic novel or middle grade or is it for grownups? It's YA. Um, and I would probably keep it YA just because of like the gang related mm-hmm. happenings within it. Um, but I would say a good like 12 and up age group could handle okay. this book. Um, it was it was so well done. And again, they left it where like it could be a sequel, mm. but it doesn't have to be a sequel. But I would love for there to be a sequel, Alicia Keys, if you were listening. Um, and Alicia that is Keys out on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Alicia. Miss <laughs> Keys, if I will. <laughs> Mrs. I don't know. Sorry, Alicia. Um, that was out on March 1st. <laughs> okay. Next up for me is the book Chorus. This is by Rebecca Kaufman. This was out on March 1st. This is Rebecca Kaufman's fourth book. And I discovered I've read two of them. So I I will be reading this one as well because I've really liked her work before. So I read her book, The Gunners, for a book club book a few years ago. And then a couple summers ago, I read the book, The House on Fripp Island. What I find interesting about Rebecca Kaufman is so far her books are completely different from one another. Like you would never know they were written by the same author, which I just find fascinating when an author can write that differently about things. So the book is about the Shaw siblings and it is set. I already love, even the ARC has all the chapters listed out, which I feel like never happens in literature anymore. But each chapter is told like from a different perspective of a different family member. And it goes from the early 1900s to the 1950s. And what you are supposed to gather from this book and from these siblings' stories is kind of the two pivotal moments when their family's life changed. The first is when their mother died unexpectedly and mysteriously under mysterious circumstances. And the second is one of their sister's um, teenage pregnancies. And so the book is really about this one family told through the eyes of all of these different siblings over a span of years, and then all trying to kind of understand how they became who they became because of these events in their family history, which I find fascinating. It sounds exactly like something I would love to read. And I'm very anxious to to get started on it because I really do like Rebecca Kaufman's writing. The Gunners was about a group of friends. Um, it reminded me of like the, I don't know, a great 80s movie like about friends and having a reunion. And then The House on Fripp Island was more of a almost mystery, um, kind of family mystery. And so it sounds like this is going to be really different as well, kind of more historical fiction and um, more family trauma and drama. So it is Chorus by Rebecca Kaufman, and it was out on March 1st. Uh, my next book is The Great Passion by James Runcie. Once again, Olivia, if you'd like to pre-order this for said specific customer, it's about <laughs> it's about Johann Sebastian Bach. <laughs> um, it's a historical fiction. Often with historical fiction, when there's a real life character of such renown, I kind of like roll my eyes. He plays a secondary role, not tertiary. Like he is pre- he's pretty like central to the book, but he's not the main character. Um, and I think that helps. Um, I like the writing. This guy, um, James Runcie wrote the Grantchester books that were turned into the show, the PBS show. Um, so he's got that PBS masterpiece Mm -hmm. vibe to him. Um, as does the book, uh, really good. It's about, this young boy whose mother dies and his dad is an organ builder and sends him off to the school that um, Bach works at that's associated with the church that Bach works at. And so he becomes a boy soprano in the choir. And then he has develops a particularly close relationship with Bach and becomes like a keyboard student of his, an organ student of his, but also lives in his house with him. Um, 
So it's about, I mean, I think one of the things that makes it less of a cliche historical fiction is because he's having his own emotional journey as well, having lost his mother and then being separated from his whole family. And he gets bullied at school because he has red hair and uh, um, all those things. But over the course of you listening to his story, you're also learning about what it would have been like to be um, in the kind of musical environment that Bach was working in. And um, then it tells the story of the co uh, composition and performance of the St. Matthew Passion um, towards the end. So for music nerds, for sure. For historical fiction nerds, probably. They would also mm -hmm. like it. I really enjoyed it. it. Not my like number one favorite book, but I really, I really did enjoy it. That one is out, let's see, the 15th of March. Great passion. It sounds like that and Booth almost maybe have slight Hamnet vibes where like there's a secondary character. You know what I mean? Like Shakespeare yep. wasn't the main character in Hamnet, but it's revolving around that world. Yep. That's yeah. true. Um, I really got big Hamnet vibes from Booth. Um, okay. Partly, especially because of the beautiful writing. Okay. Um, you know how I know that I read a lot of thrillers is that when you said the word words organ builder, I did not think <laughs> of the instrument and I got very confused. <laughs> like so building anyway. human organs. <laughs> like Frankenstein. <laughs> yes. That is what went through my head. Uh, I'm mentally a okay. horror story. <laughs> <laughs> it did click like immediately after, but I just <laughs> did have a uh, Okay, my next book is called um, The Atlas Six. This again is out on March 1st. I promise after this one, my next one is not out at the beginning of March. Um, but this is by Olive e. Blake, which I found out today is a pen name, but then I forgot to write down her real name. So just thought that was fun. And this was also published. It was self-published, I believe, in 2020. And then a big publisher picked it up because it was doing so well just on its own. Um, so now this is technically like the second printing of this book. Um, and it's going to be a trilogy. And it's excellent. This is about six people who have these magical gifts. And they're all selected for this very niche program where they get to basically go into like the Alexandria library um, mm. and like go through all of that to gain more knowledge to then become like better magicians, but they're not called magicians. It's another, she made another term for it that I can't pronounce because it was never said in the first book how to pronounce it. So I think I'm going to push it <laughs> if I try it, um, but it is magicians adjacent. But then they find out that um, after the first year of that program, only five of them can move on to the next year of the program. And so it it adds to the competitiveness of the group. But it was it's really well done because it's not actually super plot driven. It's more character driven. And the characters are fascinating. Um, so that's Atlas Six by Olive Blake. Okay. My next book is out on March 22nd. It's called All the White Friends I Couldn't Keep. This is by Andre Henry. So I follow Andre on Instagram. He's at the Andre Henry. And I first came across his work in, I guess, 2020. I, it was pandemic times <laughs> through his video series or a video series produced by the author Austin Channing Brown. And the video series was called The Next Question. And they interviewed Andre, I think, in one of the episodes. And so that's kind of how I became familiar with him. He was a really fascinating interview. So I started following him on Instagram. And now he's got this book coming out. And People who follow reviews or reviewers will understand what a big deal it is to get a starred review in Kirkus. But this has gotten a starred review in Kirkus and in Publishers Weekly. It is part memoir, part call to action. So it's about his own journey to activism and as and kind of navigating the world of social justice and what it really means to be an ally, particularly if you are a white person. And then it's also yeah, his personal story to activism and then also kind of calling white people into the work and what that really looks like. And so anyway, it looks fascinating. I really like following him on Instagram. He always offers a perspective that I have not thought of before. And I find him 
to be a little more willing to step on people's toes than some of the other kind of activists that I follow. And so I appreciate his perspective and I'll be interested to read this book. So it is called All the White Friends I Couldn't Keep by Andre Henry. You can follow him at The Andre Henry and the book comes out on March 22nd. Okay. My next book is We Don't Know Ourselves by Fenton O'Toole. And this I haven't yet read, but I'm super interested in. Um, it's a, a kind of a combination of memoir and um, analysis, cultural and historical analysis of the Irish history in, of the 20th century. Um, this has been blurbed by pa- Patrick Radden Keith. Um, who wrote Say Nothing. So I think if you were interested in Say Nothing, that this would be another great book for that. And Fintan O'Toole apparently is just like the greatest mind in Ireland right now and um, super, super well-respected about um, the way he talks about uh, the changes that happened in Ireland in the 20th century and um, what brought them about, what they mean. I'm really interested to read this one. Uh, it comes out on the 15th. We don't know ourselves. Um, my Norton rep talked about that. Our, our Norton rep did. And she just raved about it. She was like, I have no interest in Irish history, but because it was blurred by Patrick Radnicki for whatever his name is, she was like, I decided to try it. And she was like, it's fascinating. And he is like the it guy when it comes yeah. to modern Irish history. So. Um, Okay, my next book is a middle grade novel out March 8th, and this is Those Kids from Fawn Creek by Erin Entrada Kelly, Um, which I'm pretty sure I read another book by her, but I don't remember right now, but she's an excellent author. This is about a very small town in Louisiana where the, I think it's the eighth grade classroom has 13 kids in it. So they've known each other their entire lives. Um, So like they know each other's tropes and like they can't really deviate from that because they've known each other for so long and they have their little cliques. And then one girl moves away because her parents get a job in a nearby town and a new girl moves in and she has seemingly like traveled the world. Her name's Orchid. They're all very thrown off by her name being Orchid, which I just (laughs) find funny. (laughs) Um, But she like she came from Paris, but she grew. She was born in New York City, and as they find out more and more about her, they find out all these places that she's traveled. But I think as an adult reader, I'm starting to look at this and be like, mm, "But has she, <laughs> <laughs> or is she trying to make up something interesting about herself?" But I'm only a quarter of the way into the book. Uh, through this, through her newness and her world traveledness it's making all of the other kids kind of start to second guess their own personalities and where they lay in the group dynamic that is their tiny class um and it's really fascinating I actually just finished a chapter where they each paired up uh for a group project and you get a snippet of each pairing and their initial conversation with each other which everything is about Orchid and who she is and where she came from and what that means for them it So far, it's really good, and I'm really enjoying it. That does sound good. Okay, my last one, which I'm realizing I did this wrong. Olivia should have started, but here we are. We're already we're already 45 minutes in. So, (laughs) so my bad. (laughs) My bad, everybody. Um, Okay, my last one is French Braid. This is by Ann Tyler comes out on March 22nd. I've already seen so many readers I love rave about this one. I'm bummed that I do not have a copy to also join their rave, but I trust them. It is, uh, Ann Tyler's 24th book, which I much like I am blown away by debut novelists and like really beautiful first works. I'm equally blown away by people who continually, like, I feel like maybe I have one good idea. I for sure don't have 24. Like I just, I just feel like it's stunning for authors to create these worlds and to create so many of them. So anyway, this is her 24th work. She's quite prolific. I read uh, my first Ann Tyler book was, I believe, Clock Dance, which is a book I really read and loved a few years ago. I think it was even a shelf subscription book for me. And anyway, this is a book about the Garrett family. It honestly sounds like you could read it in pairing with Chorus by Rebecca Kaufman because it's about the Garretts. It takes place from 1950s to today. 
apparently even maybe make some references to to the pandemic world that we're living in. But anyway, you follow this one family through its kind of modern history. And one thing I like about Ann Tyler, I liked about Clock Dance is that the books are quiet, but they're never boring. So if you're looking for something that's a little less bombastic and a little less maybe plot driven and more just a quiet look at quiet lives, um, I'm thinking about authors like Wallace Stegner or, oh, the author of The Goodwood Girls, I think that was the name of it, or... um, Oh, that beautiful book, The Dearly Beloved. So like all these books just kind of about marriages, about families, where nothing major really happens. It's just about a family. I think Ann Tyler does that really well. So my understanding is that is what French Braid is about. It's about the Garrett family, and it's kind of just their history through the years. It sounds lovely. Readers I trust have read it and loved it already. It is out on March 22nd called French Braid. The cover is gorgeous also. Um, Speaking of gorgeous covers, my... Last book is a cookbook oh. that has, I think, pierogies on the front <laughs> in like a sage brown butter is what I'm, is what mm. I'm seeing. So that looks beautiful to me. It um, is lunchtime. So that also sounds beautiful to me. <laughs> um, it's Half-Baked Harvest Every Day by Tegan Gerard but I just know her as Half-Baked Harvest on Instagram. I don't, do either of you follow her? I don't, but boy, Susie B is a huge fan. So you and Susie. Yeah, Yeah. my mom loves her. Yeah, the recipes seem involved. I feel like I've tried maybe two of them. The reels make it look super easy, you know? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But there's a lot of prep that happens probably before she uh, films those. Anyway, her food, almost everything she posts, I'm like, that sounds good. Um, Uh And she makes it look good. And she, anyway, I would be very excited for my mom or whoever's bringing me meals (laughs) to to use this cookbook. (laughs) Wink, wink. (laughs) It comes out on March 29th, half big harvest every day. Okay, my last two. Get ready, everyone. Buckle up. We're in for a whirlwind. First one (laughs) is a thriller out on March 15th by Peter Swanson. He was the author of Eight Perfect Murders, and I think he had one in between that one and this one, but I didn't read either of his first two books, which I now regret after sitting down with Nine Lives and finishing it in two hours flat. Wow. (laughs) This book is about a group of nine people who all receive a list of their names in the mail and nothing else is on that list. It is just a list of nine names, including theirs. um, And they don't know how they're connected at all. One of them happens to be an FBI agent and starts to kind of look into this because right off the bat, someone, um, one of the names on the list is murdered. And then the next day, another murder happens. And so you keep going. Oh, it was, it was so good. I can't say much more because I will like give spoilers away, but it was, it was super fast paced, short chapters, interesting characters and great character dynamics within them. Um, I loved it. And I truly did not see the end coming so much so that when I read the big reveal, I actually had to go back and reread the big reveal because I was like, (laughs) wait, did I read that correctly? Okay. Okay, my last one is a picture book. (laughs) (laughs) Totally switching genres. Yeah, this is why I was like, buckle up, everyone. Um, (laughs) Out March 29th, I think this might be my favorite picture book of the entire year. I have now uh, sent it to almost everyone on staff to read and then tear up with me. It's called The Rhino (laughs) Suit by Coulter (laughs) Jackson. I will email it to you. Um, but get your tear ducts ready, Lucy. Yeah. <laughs> get that Kleenex oh, ready. They're ready. It's not like <laughs> sobbing sad. It just like, I think as an adult, you're just like, oh no, you're right. Yeah. It's about this little girl who she feels so many emotions. Like if her dad, like I think one of the pictures is like her dad accidentally hammers her thumb and he starts to tear up. So she starts to tear up. Like she just feels mm-hmm. everything so deeply and everyone's telling her get a tough skin. And she just learned about rhinos in her classroom. So she makes a rhino like okay you remember in Ace Ventura <laughs> he's like in that rhino robot is what I picture but it's not that it's a lot cuter 
<laughs> um, but she does essentially do that. And so she starts going around the world in this rhino suit to protect her from feeling all these emotions. But then she starts to realize that like, she can't feel her mother's hug anymore or like a breeze going through a field of flowers. Like she can't feel the beautiful things as well as oh. the painful things. And so That's she so realizes nice. that like, she has to let in both to be able to experience the joy of life. Oh. It's beautiful. <laughs> <So> <laughs> the good. illustrations are so simplistic and it is, it was just, it's so well done. I really can't recommend it enough. It's so good. Well, that was a wonderful one to end on. Now we want to cry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but th- that was a wide range of literature and we got an Ace Ventura reference. So thank you so much. <laughs> I'm actually sorry I put it to that book. It doesn't deserve it. But <laughs> so okay if you liked any of the books we talked about today you can find all of them either available they're either out now because it's march 3rd as of this uh recording date or you can pre-order them and you can do that at bookshelfthomasville.com click or tap podcast and then shop from the front porch and then you can use the code new release please to get 10 percent off your order so thank you guys lucy we'll be thinking of you in the days to come thank you (laughs) This week, What I Am Reading is brought to you by the 101st Annual Rose Show and Festival here in Thomasville, Georgia. Last week, we hosted our first ever post-pandemic reader retreat, and it was a delight to host so many readers from all over the country in downtown Thomasville, Georgia. It is our pleasure, my pleasure, to show off this town and to get to spread the love to local businesses, restaurants, to get to introduce long distance customers and friends to the city that we love so much. We had a wonderful time together. The weather was perfect. We sat outside on the patio at Fuzzy Goat. We ate dinner together inside the bookshelf and the dinner was catered by my friend, Chef John Gregory from Empire Bagel. We hosted a live podcast at SAS, a local restaurant inside an old train depot. The whole weekend was just a beautiful glimpse at what fun there is to be had in downtown Thomasville. This week, I'm reading Beloved by Toni Morrison. Olivia, what are you reading? I am reading Aquanaut by Dan Sintat. And Lucy, what are you reading? I'm reading African Founders by David Hackett Fisher and also Snoopy and Friends, the little golden book (laughs) about 40 (laughs) times a day. Can't forget Snoopy and Friends. (laughs) Thank you again to our sponsor, the 101st Annual Rose Show and Festival here in Thomasville, Georgia. If you want to come for the weekend and experience the flowers, fun, food, and shopping in beautiful Thomasville, Georgia, plan your visit now at thomasvillega.com. From the Front Porch is a weekly podcast production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in Thomasville, Georgia. You can follow the bookshelf's daily happenings on Instagram at bookshelftville, and all the books from today's episode can be purchased online through our store website, bookshelfthomasville.com. A full transcript of today's episode can be found at fromthefrontporchpodcast.com. Special thanks to Studio D Podcast Production for production of From the Front Porch and for our theme music, which sets the perfect warm and friendly tone for our Thursday conversations. If you'd like to support From the Front Porch, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Your input helps us make the show even better and reach new listeners. All you have to do is open up the podcast app on your phone, look up From the Front Porch, scroll until you see write a review, and tell us what you think. Or if you're so inclined, support us for $5 a month on Patreon, where you can follow along as Hunter and I conquer a classic and as I participate in live video Q&As in our monthly lunch break sessions. Just go to patreon.com forward slash from the front porch. We're so grateful for you, and we look forward to meeting back here next week.